Um, last week, we had some, some of us share, who went to the Takoon Conference shared some testimonies, some things that, that happened there that were exciting for us. And uh, Annette, she, uh, she did not travel back quite as quickly as the rest of us did. She took some, some other time to uh, remain uh, outside of the Wichita area. So she is back now, praise God. We are glad to have Annette back. So, Robinson, Annette, why don't you come forward? She's going to share with us this morning um, some of her experiences at the Dacoon Conference. So I'm just going to let you hold this mic here. If you're okay with that, you can maybe just set your, set your notebook there. Thank you. And we're just going to start with that. And then after Annette, um, Zach will, will come up as well. We went to um, the conference in a van. We called ourselves the Mixed Nuts. And that was great. <laughs> it was Amber, Zach, Hannah, Brian, and me. And um, actually at the conference, I roomed with Hannah and got to know her a little bit. We got to know each other a little bit more. And that was, that was great also. But for me, the conference was healing, affirming, and confirming. I was able to meet with people I felt led to meet with. I received words of comfort, affirmation, and confirmation of some things that the Lord had put in my heart. And um, so this, this, this was good because it gave me direction. And also, um, I received a charge to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit with what God has called me to do. Um, one thing I'd like to share that happened there um, was during worship on Sunday morning. Patty Jester had a word about Yeshua's sufferings, which led to more worship and praise. It was during this time that um, one of my why questions about John's death was answered. I have a few, but that one was answered, and my spirit was calm. I can't explain exactly how I was healed, but I was healed. I received numerous words from people I know and people I don't know well. Nothing was conflicting. Um, the major theme of these words was that I should stay at Remnant as a leader, a mentor, a mom, and grandmother for this congregation. And the name of the conference was Empower. I asked the Lord for more of what he had already given me, and he has given me that. I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to take on these roles as never before. I have made a decision to remain at Remnant here, at Remnant as a leader, a mentor, a mother, and a grandmother until the time that I'm called elsewhere. And that is freeing for me. I'm Proud to be part of the mixed nuts. <laughs> Thank you, Annette, and we are uh, we are glad to have you as long as you are willing to stay with us. Um, you know, I think that it's one of those things where uh, probably many many people wondered, you know, where what's going to happen? What's the next step? 
um, in, in that situation with, with Rabbi John passing. So I, I uh, rejoice with you and in the confirmation of your calling. Hallelujah for that. Amen. All right. Zach? So I'm not going to share uh, an extensive testimony of what uh, happened for us at Takoon. Um, there'll be another time for that someday. <clears throat> um, for me, my experience at the Takoon Restore Conference was one of incredible contrast. On the one hand, I experienced the presence and power of God like never before. I went through a lot of personal deliverance, inner healing, anointing in the spirit, and many prayers and blessings over me. The contrast for me was that I also became keenly aware of my own shortcomings as a husband and a father that I was not able to see as well before. There were areas where I believed some things that at the time I was unable to recognize as lies, and believing them led me into sin. As our late Rabbi John helped to teach us last year, these kind of issues must be addressed in an appropriate manner by the authority of the elders in a congregation. As an elder myself, I should be above reproach, and there is no exception or excuse for my sin. Restoration moving forward means repentance, seeking forgiveness, and wise counsel. Therefore, I have chosen to step down as an elder of remnant for an indefinite period. For the next season of repentance and restoration, I need to put special focus on my family. I'm still here to support and serve the congregation, but I'm going to only maintain the necessary responsibilities so I can give everything I can to my family. We trust that you will respect our privacy in these matters, both in conversation with us and with others. We've submitted ourselves to the authority of Remnant's elders and have been transparent with them as well as appropriate leadership in Takoon for the sake of accountability and support in restoration. I appreciate how Joe, Emily, Philip, Lisa, Annette, and the Takoon leaders have leaned into our family in this situation with love and hope. Many of you also have been led to pray for us and have noticed a change in us for the better since the Takoon conference. We appreciate your continued prayers and support for us as we go through this next season. We also pray that as a congregation, we continue to grow in the knowledge of the power and mercy of God. So there's good testimonies from the Takoon Conference, and there's difficult testimonies, and sometimes there's good difficult. Um, difficult is difficult can be good in healing, in that. So as Zach mentioned in his in his statement. Um, our, our late Rabbi John, he, he did teach us a lot about justice. Um, we worked through uh, understanding what that means in a congregational setting and uh, about elders needing to be above reproach. So um, Joe and I, uh, as the remaining elders, and Joe is unable to be here today. Um, he's on his two weeks of uh, guard duty right now. So um, otherwise, he and I would be up here together. Um, but 
Joe and I, as the remaining elders of, of Remnant, have really taken very seriously our responsibility to investigate, to search out, to um, inquire thoroughly as, as we're commanded to in the Torah. And, uh, and we've ensured in, in these situations, as we've talked with Zach and, and Amber that in, and, and others, uh, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, um, all matters shall be established. Um, and so we've not acted alone in this. Um, Zach mentioned Takoon. Uh, we've been working with them um, prayerfully, listening to our council and uh, with our Rebetzin Annette as well in this. Um, and in other words, we, we have sought the, uh, the safety of our congregation in this and the appropriate application of Scripture in, in gaining a multitude of counselors for this. And so we, are, we have done and are continuing to do our job as elders in this matter um, with with Zach and Amber, and in addition to um, in addition to that, I will tell you that that we have repented too and sought forgiveness uh, for areas that we have failed leading up to today, um, because each person here truly is our brother's keeper. We are we are we are our brother's keeper, and we must be diligent and unafraid to to inquire directly with each other if something seems amiss. And so we have, we have worked through that as well. And so I wanted to mention those things to you, but also mention to you, lastly and very importantly, that uh, we see this stepping down for Zach and Amber as for a season. Um, we affirm God's calling of ministry in the Williams, and, uh, and we are going to work diligently to work alongside them, to walk with them through this, and to see them restored as Scripture calls us to do. And so, what I wanted to share with you today, then, is what is our job as a congregation when something like this happens? Or in any situation, really, this, this is really a broad topic, any situation when we are to follow biblical instruction to restore a brother or sister in sin. And, and I see the, uh, the job as twofold, for us as a congregation, there's a one, I'm going to mention one do and one do not, okay? And I'm going to start with the do not first, all right? So, in Leviticus 19.16, it says that we are to not go around as a talebearer among your people, okay? So, our first job as a member of a congregation and the larger body of Messiah is to not go around as a talebearer. And in short, that means that we're not to go around gossiping or slandering one another. Right? So gossip is very tasty. Okay? It's tasty to speakers. It's tasty to hearers. Um, Proverbs 18, 18 says the words of a gossip are like tasty morsels. They go down to the innermost being. And a tasty morsel is exciting. It's enticing. Swallowed greedily. It's like eating, you know, chips. You can't just have just one. You want more and more of it. Um, it's like a delicious pastry or chocolate candies in a bowl. But the thing is that gossip, gossipy words, they aren't just a burst of flavor on the tongue. They go down to the innermost being, promising to meet the deepest desires of our hearts. And it's kind of ironic, you know, why does gossip taste so good? Well, it's, the gossip's content, while it's focused on other people, it really is, at its core, it's really about me. 
When, when I gossip, it's actually about me because it promises to make me feel a certain way about myself. Um, it promises to do certain, certain things for me. And so therefore, when we, when we do gossip, when we do slander others, um, we are serving and worshiping ourselves. This is why I think Paul lists it amongst the sin of idolatry in Romans 129. He says that uh, he, he's listing out certain sins and he lists gossip in, in there as well. And, and it's, gossip is often slander as well. And we know from Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 19 that God, that God hates slander as well and that it's evil. And, and Paul lists that as as a behavior of those who hate God. This is, that's also part of his list in Romans chapter 1. Um, it's in the very next verse, verse 30. And even and James, or Yaakov, the brother of Yeshua, he calls it demonic, in fact. In, in James 3, 15 and 16, he calls, he calls this behavior demonic behavior. And, and so I wanted to just talk about the promises, these false promises that, this, that gossip promises to make us um, and, and really counter them with what the gospel tells us. One of, one of these promises is that it tells us, it says it's going to make us interesting, okay? We, we have this temptation to make us interesting. We want to feel accepted, right? And, and interesting gossip, it can serve as that entrance into a conversation or a group. And, and even more so if it's negative, and, and if it leads to mutual complaining, you know, gossiping and griping, that can be a real bonding experience. In fact, it was just two days ago, I was at my office, and I, it was like a couple cubicle aisles over, but I could just hear these coworkers talking, and they were just like bonding with each other over, over gossip about another manager. Um, and and I, I knew exactly that's what they were doing. You know, they were, they were using it to uh, make each other interesting to one another. But the problem is, is that, that gossip offers what it can't deliver because, you know, it says, gossip says, well, you're interesting or you belong, but it's lying. You know, the people who thrive on gossip, you're only interesting as long as your gossip is interesting. You're, you're only interesting as long as that is interesting, right? And, uh, and when, we, when we use gossip to gain access to a community or a specific circle in a community, our words tear apart that community that we're trying to be a part of. It just tears it apart. And the truth is, and this is the counter to that, is that Yeshua gives us true community. Okay? He gives us his kingdom, his body. And our entrance is not through our own words. Our entrance into that community, into his kingdom, is not through our own words. It's in his own blood. It's... His own blood is what unites us in love. So we don't get in by using our own words or what we say about other people. We get in based on what God says about us. That's how we are in it. And what he says about us in Messiah when we are covered by the blood of Messiah. Amen? Amen. The, the second lie I wanted to say about, about gospel, it says, it says that you are powerful. It gives you some form of power. And because having information about other people, secret information, it makes us feel powerful. It makes us feel important. Um, you know, you, you might have heard someone say to someone else in authority like, you know, oh, you know, I'm not the only one who disagrees with you. I've heard lots of people are unhappy with you, and so on and so on. And, and that's, you know, that's really power play gossip. That's a reporting vague public opinion. 
you know, trying to use that as a, a battering club to really um, get your own way. And, you know, sometimes we do that, or sometimes we, we gossip and talk about the weaknesses or misfortunes of other people as well, because it really makes us feel good to take them down a notch. It makes us feel good to take them down a notch, but it really, gossip cannot deliver on its power of or its promise of power, you know, maybe it gives us some temporary tiny degree of influence over other people um, or other communities, but it's, it's only temporary and it's very small because when we stand before God, when we stand before God, we will be held accountable for every word that we say. He holds us accountable for how we speak to others and how we speak about other people. And we, when we think about that, we realize that, that gossip doesn't really give us any power. It's a false promise. It's a false illusion. And we should also really take into to mind the, the powerful words of Proverbs 18.21 that says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So there is some power in there. Death and life are in the control of the tongue, I should say. Those who indulge of it will eat its fruit, it says in Proverbs 18.21. So the gossiping tongue is the tongue of death. It, it is following the tongue of death, and it will come around to those who use it, and it will cause you to eat its fruit. So it's a, it's a power that comes back to consume you in that sense. But the gospel, on the other hand, it tells us something very different, and this is what I want us to emphasize about ourselves, that we're not supposed to be seeking power. We are not. We are, we are weak in and of ourselves, and we need help. And God is perfected in our weaknesses. His power is displayed in our weaknesses. It's not us. God is the one who's powerful. In his words, he created the world with his words. I mean, we're talking about and we're worshiping earlier. You are holy. You are mighty. You are worthy. Because he is the one who has done and created all things. He sustains all things by, by his very words, by his very power. He sustains all things. When we trust in Yeshua... God puts his awesome power to work, and he makes us a part of his new creation. And that is amazing. He gives us the words of life, not the words of death, but the words of life for us. And that we need for us to be restored to him and for us to restore other people. Okay, so that's two things. The third thing is the gospel tells us that we're indispensable. Okay, we're needed a lot. Um, and for those of us who, who like to felt needed, who like to meet the needs of others. Um, gossip can kind of be that rescue equipment that you use. Um, you know, you hear of somebody with a struggle, and you're like, oh, I need to go help them, right? And so you go help them by telling everybody else about what's going on. Um, but in fact, we often make the situation worse uh, when we uh, insert ourselves into the situation. Or, or sometimes we'll say, well, you know, we, we might say to our friend, hey, hey, do you know that that person is upset with you? And our interpretation may be to encourage our friend to have a conversation with the other person, but really what we should have done, and per Matthew 18, is we should have told that other person to go have a conversation with our friend. They need to go to them directly, okay? That takes us out of the equation because we are not the ones who are resolving it there. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to do the work there, all right? And instead of us entrusting ourselves and making ourselves feel needed and indispensable, we have to trust the Holy Spirit to do His work 
It's not up to us. Really, gossip is pretty lousy rescue equipment. It's not very good. It cannot make us indispensable. It cannot rescue. We know, and here's the truth to counter that, that Yeshua is the only rescuer. He is the only deliverer. He is the only one who can save us from our need to be needed. And we all have a need to be needed. Okay? He's the one who gives us true significance in our lives. Okay? We're not many saviors. He's the only savior. And we need to be saved by him. I was thinking about this in the context of today's Torah portion, too. We've been talking about Joseph in Genesis chapter 40 and how Joseph is a type and a picture of Yeshua, how he's in the pit, right? He is in the, the prison in Genesis chapter 40. He's been in prison for years, right? He, he has a need to be rescued, right? <clears throat> and yet, we know that Adonai was with him in all things, and chapter 39 says that Adonai was with him like four or five times that the Lord was with him and that he is the one who saves him, okay? The Lord saved Joseph out of that situation and he redeemed him. He gave him hope when he was in a difficult situation, in a stressful situation. And, and it wasn't, you know, somebody else that needed to come in and rescue him. It was God and Joseph trusted God to come and rescue him in that situation. The fourth and, and last thing that I wanted to mention just about, about gossip um, is it's a weird, it's, all, it's a, a very deceptive false promise. And, uh, and it's, that, it's the, the promise of righteousness, or in this case, really, it's like self-righteousness, um, if you want to think about it that way. Uh, it makes, because it makes us feel righteous in comparison to other people. It's what it does. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not as bad as them. Uh, you, know, uh, we, you know, we might grumble gossip about the annoying habits or hurtful habits of our spouse. Don't do that, by the way, <laughs> to other people. Um, we might say that about our children. I have been guilty of that. I will confess that to you right now, that I have done that about my own children, and that's wrong. I should not do that. We might talk about someone else's struggle with sin in their lives. Or we might say, you know, oh, I can't believe they spent all that money on that thing. You know, they're in a bunch of credit card debt. You know, you th you just, you're just trying to bring other people down a notch when you say that kind of a thing. You know, this is why people enjoy celebrity gossip, too. So a lot of people enjoy that. That's why they have all those tabloids at the supermarket shelves. Um, all the celebrity gossip and stuff because there's just a little bit of like juiciness to hear the secret bro brokenness of other what we perceive as successful people of wealthy people in the world's eyes and we think oh maybe we're better than them after all you know and they're they're just as broken as we are is the reality and they are just as much as need of a savior as we are that's the truth there you know uh Gossip and slander are one of, also, it's one of the adversary's chief strategies, too. One of the chief strategies to divide relationships. It's the chief strategy to deter, to derail the mission of, of the body of Messiah. And we need to be on guard. We really need to be on guard against this and really frequently lay it aside because it, it comes a lot, okay? 
it happens a lot, like every single day, multiple times a day, a lot. And so we have to frequently lay it aside. Hebrews 12.1 says to cast those aside, cast them off from each other. And we need to be doing that. We have to remember, too, that, that gossip is not going to, it cannot give us that righteousness that we desire, right? What's the truth there? The truth is only that Yeshua does that. Yeshua is the only one that can do that for us. The gospel tells us that we are unrighteous. Okay? We are the one who need the Savior to be righteous for us. And it tells us that through faith in Yeshua, in His righteousness, that His righteousness becomes ours. It's His perfect righteousness. That's where our faith lies, in His perfect righteousness. So it's in Yeshua that we belong. It's in Yeshua that God's power works for us. It's in Yeshua that we find significance. And it's in Yeshua that we are righteous. Okay? So that's my first exhortation this morning is just to say let's expose the lies of gossip and, and instead we believe the truth that is in Yeshua. That's, that's our first mission. That's our first goal as a congregation. The second thing I want to, so that's the don't. The second thing is the do here. And the do is to restore. We have a job to restore. That is the primary mission of the body of Messiah is to be those who restore others who are caught in sin. We restore people back to God. The question is then, how do we do that? How do we do that? You know, because we're often better at judging than we are at restoring. We're better at seeing other people's sin before our own, and so we really quickly forget the reality that, that we are undeserving people when we deal with others, okay? But I want to go to Galatians chapter 1, or I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6, if you want to turn there with me. Galatians chapter 6, I'm just going to read the first three verses of that chapter. <clears throat> it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught doing something wrong, you who are directed by the Ruach, that's the Spirit, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, looking closely at yourself so you are not tempted also. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the Torah of Messiah. For if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he is fooling his, himself. I wanna, I'm going to stop there just reading those first three verses. You'll notice that this, uh, this is the Apostle Paul, Rav Shul, he's speaking to the, the congregation there in Galatia. And, uh, and he, what he's saying, it has more to do with our own hearts than it does to do with the person who sinned in that situation. It has more to do with us and our own hearts, our own attitudes, and with the person who sins. He indicates that it takes someone of maturity to restore other people. That he says, you who are spiritual, you who have that, the, the spirit directed in you to do that, that you are the ones who to do it. And, and he then indicates that you, who are acting as a restorer, are to guard your own heart in these situations. We are to guard our hearts. That we, we can't think, well, we're we're better than that. I could never do the same thing as they did. That's not true. We might do it. We might do it too. We are, we are all susceptible to sin in our own ways, and so we have to keep watch ourselves, lest we think we, we would also be tempted, you know. And then, and then it says that we, and again, it's talking about those who are restoring, that we are to bear one another's burdens, Okay, again, this is just talking to us. So in that, we fulfill the law of Messiah. That, that, we, that we do that, we need to walk in this with humility then. 
as we bear one another's burdens, not thinking anything special about ourselves, um, because we are, we're, not, we're not so good either. I'll just put it that way. I'm not so good either. Uh, and, and, and so I need to have humility in this too. You know, it's sort of the whole pride becomes, comes before a fall kind of thing. Um, I, need to, I need to really keep that in mind for myself. So just thinking about that in Galatians chapter 6, as we, as we think about that, you know, when we think how we restore, um, some things that, I, that I'm, I'm thinking about just more pr- on the pragmatic level, I'm uh, uh, practical application steps of these things, how we do that. Uh, we just want to keep in mind that, it, again, it's not us that restores anyone, okay? Um, I can't do it on my own power. I can't restore anyone on my own power. Uh, we're simply bringing people back to Yeshua. That's what we're doing. We are bringing people back to Yeshua, and He is the one who's doing the restoration. Okay? So, there are ways in which we can bring people back to Yeshua. The first one I want us to keep in mind is through prayer. We bring people back to Yeshua through prayer. We pray for them. We pray for their families. We pray for complete and total restoration in Yeshua. Okay? You know, you don't need to know every single detail to know how to pray for people. You just pray that everything that needs to be worked out and dealt with by God is worked out and done so by God, and done so gently, you know, just so as we would want it done to us, right? We have to think about how would we want to be dealt with in that situation, <laughs> and when we, we want to be restored harshly or gently, right? <laughs> how, how do we want God to deal with us in His mercy? Um, we want to pray for our, our neighbors in the same way. Uh, so the first way we restore is through prayer. The second way we restore is by valuing confidentiality. Um, we should value confidentiality in, in these situations. Proverbs 11:13 tells us that a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. Um, and this really goes back to my discussion on, on gossip and, and slander and knowing how to pray, right? Um, you, we don't have to know every detail. It's enough to know that repentance has been made or is being made. And, and that in and of itself, the fact that repentance has been made or is being made, that's praiseworthy to God. That is worth praising God for, because that's where we want people to be, as a, as a state of repentance, so they can be restored. And, and we can then help bear one of those burdens without then knowing every single detail, when we're just understanding how we value confidentiality. The, the third way that we, that we do this is that we speak life into them as they're being restored. We speak life. I mentioned Proverbs 18.21 earlier, that uh, death and life are in the control of the tongue. So we discuss death, right? But the opposite is true as well. The opposite of that is true as well. It means we can speak life into other people. We have the power to speak life. By grace and obedience to the Bible and glory to God, we breathe life into each other. It says in Romans 12.10, Outdo one another in showing honor. We can have a competition, right, to, to, to speak life into other people. Uh, we can be competitive about this. Yeah, how am I going to do it this week? What am I going to do to speak life into my brother? Okay, this is a real win-win competition, I see, in this way. Um, we can speak encouragement. We can speak honest words of love and joy. We can share how we see God working in them. 
We can share joyful things that God is doing in our own lives, things that God is doing in the con congregation, in the community, in your neighbors. Share that joy of what you see God doing. Speak life. And, and this, this really has nothing to do with, you know, just restoring a person. This is just really a general principle in our lives, that we speak life into other people, okay? That we speak these things in this way. Um, but it certainly has to do with, with restoring our brother. And, and the reason we do that is because that's part of restoring with gentleness. And that's my fourth point, is that we restore with gentleness, that we be gentle. Um, and why, why do we need to be gentle other than the obvious? Like, well, I would want somebody to be gentle with me, so yes, we need to be gentle with someone else. Well, the reality is, is that confrontation of being in sin is very painful. It's very painful. When you get caught, found out, however you want to phrase it, it hurts a lot. Um, and after someone has had the Lord break their heart over their sin and all the trouble they've caused in their life or their family or the congregation or any, any situation like that, when that person is then broken, they're going to often... I mean, oh, I mean, just being in a state of brokenness, you know how raw you can be. Um, it's hard to be in that state of brokenness. Um, they tend to overreact, too, sometimes with self-hate and with loathing over themselves, even by uh, just what we think it might be benign comments. Um, so we need to be gentle. We need to reaffirm each other in love for our brother and sister who's now repentant. We need to reassure them, you know, on the path that they're on and the restoration and forgiveness that, they, that they've received. Just as the Lord handles us, when we confess and repent, we need to do the same for other people. So that's really what I wanted to uh, remind us of today. Um, so in closing, um, I just want to say that, you know, while we don't really like to uh, have to walk through these kinds of situations. It is really good for us as a congregation to see how we walk and do so in a healthy, life-giving, kingdom-building way. We can do this in a, in a, in a good way. And, and we are moving forward as a people who are called to restore others to Messiah. Amen? Amen. That's who we are. We are a people who restore others to Messiah. I want us to say that together. We are a people who are restoring others to Messiah. Let's say that again. We are a people who are restoring others to Messiah. Now, <clears throat> I will say, too, that, you know, I've had a little bit more time to digest some of this. Um, I knew what Zach was going to say before he said it. <laughs> you didn't, no. Um, so I've had some time. But I wanted, I wanted to share with you, because I've had some more time to think about this, that I am in a place of great hope about this situation because I can see the beginnings of restoration that are already happening. And it's not an overnight event. Restoration is not something that happens instantaneously. Uh, it's a long process. But the hope is there. The hope is there. And that's cause for me to praise God. I am praising God. And because I know that he's the one who's the restorer. He is the one. He's the one who gives us hope, any of us hope, because any one of us 
can come to him in our own sin and be forgiven. And we know that our sins are erased by the blood of our Messiah, Yeshua. Amen? Amen. And, and we know, too, that because while we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, what does the scripture say? That Messiah died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. He died for me. And that's a great miracle that he would do that, and that any of us can be reconciled to our Messiah, Yeshua. That any of that ever happens, yet it happens every single day in our Messiah. For all of us, for me, it happens. And so, therefore, I have hope in this situation. I have a lot of hope, and I'm excited about where this is going. And so, I just wanted to share that with you, and, and also, too, I wanted to extend an invitation. If there's anyone here today that you feel like that there's a sin barrier between you and God, that there's things that are, that you haven't confessed to God, that you have, that you feel like God is pressing your heart now to say, yeah, wow, I really need to bring this before God. There's a real barrier between me. I don't feel reconciled to God. That he is offering you hope of reconciliation. And he does offer you hope of reconciliation. Now he offers that to you. He gives that to you freely. He gives it to each one of us freely as a gift when we place our trust in the atoning sacrifice and resurrection of Yeshua. So if that's you, then I really just, I want to invite you to come and talk with me after the service today because God has opened a door here. He's using this situation to open a door for you today to hear his message of hope. His, his message that he can restore you as well to him. He can reconcile you to him. God has given us that opportunity to, to come before him and to, and to honor him in this and to respond to his message of reconciliation, just like James is feeling there, to respond to that. And he's offered us a chance to walk through the story together, to walk through this together, to be reconciled to him. So I, wanted, I just wanted to end with that message of hope, that message of, of joy too, really. You know. So for all of us here, as we are, as a congregation, considering my exhortations this morning, I sure want us all to remember that we are people who praise for one another. Okay? We are people who value confidentiality. We are people who speak life into one another. We are people who restore people with gentleness because we are called to restore others to Messiah Yeshua. So my encourage, uh, encouragement for us today is to then put this into practice now, that we can go and do this. We can go and do this in the power and the grace of our Messiah Yeshua and his spirit that lives within us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that today. That was the third message I wrote for today, by the way. <laughs> I told... I told Zach yesterday, I was like, I've got this one written, and I've got this one written. Neither one of them seems to fit. I need to do something different. <laughs> so this is what happened yesterday. Uh, now I have two backup ones. Those will come. They'll have their time. Amen. 
So we're going to go and uh, and I'm feeling I'm, I'm, we want to do the kiddish, but I'm just feeling like we just need to pray right now. Um, I don't know if there's a song coming to someone's heart. Doreen, if you have a song, I don't want to mean to put pressure on you, but if, if you're feeling like the Lord has put something on you to, to play and lead us in. Um, I just want to pray that we, and, that, and that we would pray together now in humble confession and repentance of our own shortcomings before our Father. And so, it looks like Doreen is coming this way, but even as she's doing so, I just want to start praying right now. And I want you to pray with me. You can pray out loud. I don't care. Uh, you can speak in, pray in tongues if the Lord is causing you to just speak to Him in, in your own personal language, your private language with Him. Pray with Him there in your seat. You can grab your people around you because we are a people. We are a tribe. Grab your people around you and pray with them. Let's just humble ourselves before God. Let's understand that we come before His throne. We come before Him, and His throne is so majestic, so beautiful, so powerful, so incredible that we cannot stand at all before it. <clears throat> that none of us is worthy to stand before God's throne in and of ourselves. That we need to have our tongues purified just like Isaiah did. That as he, was, as he just felt it basically punch his gut and double over, that, that, that understanding that, of that magnitude of him being before something so perfect and so righteous that he had no way that he could be before it. And yet, he was purified by that coal. And he was able to approach the throne. God, we, we humble ourselves before you. We confess that in this situation and in many situations, that each of us has our own shortcomings. That each of us has our own failures. And so I pray, Lord, that at this time that you would reveal those to us. Uncover those in our hearts right now, God. For me personally, that you would unveil and, and, and uncover these things in my heart. The areas, the people that I need to confess to. That I need to repent to. The things that I need to confess and repent of and that each one of us would, and that we would be unafraid to do those things because we know that we are restored and that we have a path to restoration in you, God. We have a path to reconciliation with you, Lord. God, you've given us such a great mercy.
by the blood, the, res the death and resurrection of our Messiah, Yeshua. You've given us such a great mercy. It's your hesed love, Lord, that you have given to us. You've poured out on us. And we don't deserve it. We have no deserving of it, Lord. And that's so humbling, God. But we receive it with joy. We receive it with gladness. We receive it with hope, a hopeful heart now, God, as you have turned us. You've turned mourning into dancing. You've turned sadness and grief into gladness and joy. And you do that, Lord, because you are good. You are so good, God. You are good every day. Even when we are in the pit, like Joseph was in the pit, you are good every day, God. And you are with us every day, God. And you are restoring us now. Sound booth, if you can put the, the goodness of God, the words to that on the screen. Until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness. night you were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend for I have lived in the goodness of God all my life you have been faithful
Shall not be. 